0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope everybody's having a great week so far. Once again, in quarantine for probably most of us here, not really going out and doing too much, uh, living it up as as best we can uh, during this tough time. But got a lot to get to, went to our subscribers at Pony Stampede for this edition of the podcast and wanted to hear what they wanted to know. And so we're going to answer a lot of those Uh, questions on the podcast and also kind of uh, discuss the updated top 247 rankings not too much not too many changes in regards to SMU on that front but a couple things caught uh, my eye just to make note of and I think we can kind of work that in as well uh, into the podcast and also I'm going to have a little fun uh, with the uh, end of this podcast had a great first question to kick off our podcast thread. And that was uh, building an intramural softball team based off the current football roster. So uh, we'll have that fun little uh, segment there for the end. But here's uh, what we're going to do. I want to talk a little bit about SMU's recruiting strategy. Also take a look at uh, kind of, you know, I think some important position groups that need addressing. That was a really good question we got. So I want to kind of put it into that little shell as far as where SMU needs to address the most in this upcoming recruiting class in the 2021 class. And we'll break that down. And so let's go ahead and get going. And I want to start with the top positions of need for SMU in this class in my book. And I want to start with corner right off the bat. And I think it's pretty simple for me. You've got two returning starters in Armani Johnson and Brandon Stevens that you feel pretty good about. But both are going to be on in their careers at SMU, and especially Brandon Stevens, who will be a senior and and on the you know in his final run at the position. So you've got to find somebody that can come in and certainly give you some snaps, I think, and and that starts with landing somebody at the junior college position uh, rankings, uh, you know, on that front. And SMU's done a fairly good job in the junior college ranks. I I feel like. Um, recruiting and at least being in there for guys, but this is where missing on Jakorian Bennett really hurt them in the last cycle. This position really could have been solidified for the most part, I think, if they were able to pull that one off, but uh, he just blew up late and they weren't able to get him. And so for now, they've got to prioritize a junior college corner, which we'll see kind of play out. And this is where, again, spring ball not being here kind of hurts as well because they would have really addressed that, I think, in some spring evaluations and got in some offers on the table, but instead they'll have to be really kicking the tires with their junior college connections that the staff has to find uh, probably a plug-and-play starter to replace Brandon Stevens, and I'll mention that they can probably go and, and find a transfer as well in this respect, and if the NCAA does pass the immediate eligibility ruling that they're expected to, That'll be big for SMU because somebody who maybe didn't enjoy their freshman year far away from home can step right in, has a year in a college weight room, and and can play, and and maybe that's somebody who's even older, a, a sophomore or a redshirt freshman that'll be entering their redshirt sophomore year, uh, on 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 the campus uh, that they can address that position. But I look at the corner depth for SMU, and it's kind of scary right now. Uh, you you look at Armani Johnson being your your starter for the next two years opposite uh, of whoever steps in for Brandon Stevens. And then you've got Sam Westfall, who redshirted this past year. He had a really good first spring on SMU's campus, but didn't ever put it together in fall camp. And that's kind of why he ended up redshirting. So they're going to need him to step up next year. Terry keys would be somebody that they'd certainly welcome uh, him stepping up. And then they've got Brian Massey coming up who ended up having a really strong track season season as a uh, in the spring and clocking a really impressive time so they feel like they found a diamond in the rough and Brian Massey who could solidify the corner spot but he's just five 510 180 right now so he's gonna have to add some mass to his frame as well and get ready to play major college football probably right away as a true freshman I think with his speed he's got a chance to steal some snaps maybe if they go nickel he ends up being somebody they like in the nickel I think Sam Westwald can compete there as well. Um, but other than that, they've got some veterans uh, in the bunch that really, for the most part, haven't done much since being on campus. So um, I think number one is is corner, and it's, it's a spot where we broke it down uh, for our subscribers on Pony Stampede as far as their top targets and who they're looking at. And it's a lot of guys that probably are a stretch for them to land right now, and then they're in position for a couple of guys. We saw Lathan Adams commit to Colorado State this week. And that was one where I had a crystal ball pick in for SMU over the weekend. I had heard that they told him that they were full with junior college corners. So they feel good about landing a junior college corner in this cycle. And I think it's a two-corner class for SMU. And they're going to, I think, be able to circle back on Lathan Adams if they miss you know, on some of these targets. But um, Lathan Adams did commit to Colorado State, wasn't able to move that crystal ball to foggy before that happened but uh he go went ahead and and uh, announced his commitment date and and then ended up committing about a whole month before his commitment date so uh strike one on the crystal ball on SMU targets for me a kind of one that uh you wish you had back but corner is my number one spot for SMU and then a number another one I look at is is middle linebacker and I think they're in a good spot for their top target in the middle in Travion Sneed, but they need to really build that position up uh, with the high school ranks. They have some guys that are going to be playing outside linebacker for them in the sophomore class, uh, or as as sophomores, redshirt or, or true sophomores. That you know, I think they feel pretty good about coming on late. Uh, Cameron Jones, they moved to linebacker. Ty Armin, the Oklahoma transfer, is playing linebacker. Trevor Denbo is playing linebacker, and he's a senior. So that group is a veteran bunch with Richard Moore and Richard McBride, Delano Robinson, Shane Haley. But they need to address that position uh, in this cycle and and really bring in uh, somebody that can, can step up. And I think it wouldn't surprise me to see them go with a Juco guy there as well, just to solidify the upper class uh, with somebody they feel like can contribute at that level uh, as well. But look, they signed a, a big defensive line class uh, in the twenty twenty class. Devere Levelston, Mason Mastroff, Jade uh, Jay Bell will gray shirt, so he'll come in next January. Junior Ahos, somebody that's versatile, and then um, you know they have guys like Nelson Nelson Paul, Warren Walls, Garrett uh, Gary Wiley still young, Turner Cox still young, Toby and Duckway still young. So they have a good defensive line uh I guess depth right now uh for SMU and obviously offensive line and wide receiver are solidified very well. Tight end is another big position of need for SMU in this class. Ben Redding, Kedrick James, Kylan Grantson are all older. So if I'm looking at where they need to address, and I'll I, I say it in the present tense because they have addressed running back, I feel like, with Monte Dawson. They're in a good spot for Brandon Epton. We'll see how things shake out with Kamar Wheaton. But if I'm looking at two, three positions that are the biggest areas of need for SMU, it's corner way at the top uh, by far, uh, linebacker and tight end. I think that's the big groups of positions that they need to address uh, in this upcoming class. And I do want to point out, the targets tab on Pony Stampede, I was asked to kind of explain that and and how I go about updating that. So you can be a top target, a high choice, interested in scout look. And generally scout look are somebody that I think they are maybe offered early, but are now in kind of wait and see mode, or they don't have an offer in general. Interested is a prospect that for me, I usually put some high-end guys that maybe aren't considering SMU right now, but maybe if they fall in rankings or some of the big boys back off, that they could be uh, players for late, uh, potentially. And then high-choice are guys that they're actively recruiting pretty hard to end up on campus. And then top targets are your guys like Savion Bird, Kamar Wheaton. Anyone who's committed is a top target. Um Isaiah Nwokabia, Roderick Daniels, those guys are are the top targets. They're high on SMU. SMU is high on them. They really would take their commitment at any point. And so I, I feel like that's kind of how I go about doing that tab as far as ranking them. And then when you look at some a prospect and they say cool, warm, warmer, or favorite, those are an indication of the prospect's interest level. So When you see players drop a top five, we, or a top 10 or a top 12 or whatever, we usually take the top five schools that we feel like, or maybe the prospect has told us, are their biggest schools of interest and set it to warm. Warmer would be somebody like, I would um, say, if we had to put a warmer on somebody right now, I'd say Savion Bird could be a warmer guy, somebody that's trending towards SMU, trending towards committing. Um, and, and then separating the other couple schools as warm in there. Uh, and then others like Travion Sneed have, have said that SMU is the favorite. And so that's how you get a favorite, of course. If somebody goes on record and says that school is at the top uh, of the list, that's how we kind of break all of that down. But anytime you see somebody top drop a top 10 and there's only five warm schools, that's usually the schools that we've handicapped as the top threats um, to land the player, and, and or uh, the, the player maybe has said, hey, uh, you know these are my top five right now. Those are the ones you can set to warm. We don't usually like to go above five for a warm uh, um, a warm designation on, on a recruit. So that's kind of how that works out. So as you're going through Pony Stampede and checking that out. That's kind of how I do it. I try to take a look at it once a week and uh, maybe update it here or there. But I feel like right now, 2021, I've got a good grip on who's top targets, who's a high choice, who's in, who the staff is interested. So that's how the targets uh, list goes uh, for SMU on, on Pony Stampede. And then as far as SMU's recruiting strategy that they've – deployed since Sonny Dykes has been hired Uh, this is another question on Pony Stampede that I got and how is it different from other schools I follow and and really and this is kind of a plus for me you know also covering LSU is that I see a lot of national recruiting more so than I would say anything and then I keep tabs here and there on a lot of the group of five schools, but mainly the top of the AAC. So, so your SMU, your Memphis, your Cincinnati, UCF, and kind of following them. I grew up in Florida, so I know kind of a lot of the Florida schools and how they recruit and things like that. But in terms of how SMU is different, SMU is pretty particular on offering. And we've posted a lot of new offers that kind of seem late in the grand scheme of things um, in the 2022 class. Some offers going out this week. To four-star prospects that are already highly recruited nationally, and that's just kind of SMU style. They're not going to just hand out offers to the top 200 or 150 prospects in Texas and let it ride and dish out offers left and right. I think that was something that, you know, to an extent, Chad Morrison and his staff did. They they offered a lot of players. They offered a lot of prospects early. So the offer list, if you go back. And you look at the offers tab on Pony Stampede, there's a ton of prospects that held offers from the previous staff. And now that Sonny Dykes and his staff have been here a while, we're starting to see less and less offers on that tab. And I think it's a plus because you guys get a little bit of a better understanding of who they're after, who they really feel highly about. And so that's where it's different than a lot of schools. I mean, LSU offers as many prospects as anybody in the country, I feel like. Uh, There are some other schools that do the same. Texas has kind of been one where I think they're kind of similar to SMU. They're usually slow to offer an in-state prospect in a way. They want to be sure. They want to have them on campus or they want to go through their board and want to be sure that they want to offer them. Um, I think nationally, Clemson is probably the closest school to SMU as far as how they offer and who they evaluate. I mean, Clemson, I want to say, just hit 26 offers in the 2021 class on the offensive side of the ball. So think about that. That is a slim amount of prospects that they've offered. And SMU is not at that level, but they're very particular about, who they offer and, and, and who they want to recruit. Obviously they can do that as, you know, a a past national champion and always at the top of the recruiting rankings. But I feel like SMU doesn't just dish out offers. I mean, there are prospects that I felt like, you know, would be good fits for SMU, but they're going to say, okay, you know, maybe not, maybe we're not going to offer, or we're not going to join a bunch of group of five schools that have offered and, and jump on a train of, of, of offers going out to prospects. And so... Um, I think that's probably the the strategy is they want to build relationships with players, and then see if they fit not only on the field but off the field, and if they're legitimately interested. If they're not interested or they don't feel like they're going to have a chance, they're probably not going to offer them. Um, and and that goes for a lot of a lot of players. So um, I, I feel like SMU's recruiting strategy is pretty good from an offer standpoint and how they evaluate players. They're going to take a wait and see approach to a lot of uh, prospects, at least way out. Um, so your 2022s, your 2023s. I don't think, and I'll look it up right now as we're as I'm talking, but I'd be surprised if SMU's offered double digit 2023 prospects. And we're kind of at the point now where normally you'd be seeing some of those offers go out as the coaches get out and evaluate the spring uh, recruiting. Sessions, yeah, SMU's only offered three prospects in the 2023 class right now, so those are guys that they feel really good about. And by the way, all Dallas area players um, have are, are the three offers. So Daniel Demery, a wide receiver out of Parish, where Preston Stone goes, uh, Jamel Johnson out of Arlington, Seguin, a, a long corner who's going to be really, really highly, highly thought of, I think nationally. Jaden Milliner Jones out of DeSoto, a safety. It's kind of undersized, but they've got an offer on the table for him as well. Uh, so those are uh, just the three 2023 prospects they have offered already. And I think as they start to maybe dive into some more 2023 film during this time where, honestly, the staff doesn't have anything better to do, and this goes for colleges across the country, then watch film, work with your players, and, and, and evaluate um, during this time. I think we start seeing some 2023 offers go out probably towards the beginning of summer as as those guys start to you know break out with with freshman tape and maybe they get some early offers out there to kind of build that list. But I think for SMU, like I said, they do a really good job stacking their board, figuring out early on I think the guys they want to build relationships with and then maybe dishing out an offer later on in the process. And now, finally, I I do want to address uh, the updated top 247 rankings that came out, and it'll kind of segue into uh, another question on our board uh, for me. But uh, the top 247 was updated uh, on Wednesday um, this week, and really not too many changes. Everybody that SMU is considering in that top 247 pretty much stayed the same. And that includes Preston Stone, who didn't move at all. Savion Bird, I think, dropped a spot or two. They they elevated a, a couple of players into that upper echelon of the country that notched them down a spot or two. But all of their rankings stayed the same. Same goes for Kamar Wheaton. Uh, same goes for um, Quay Davis. Same goes for um, a lot of these guys that are in the the top two, four, seven. We really didn't see too much movement from them. And I think that you know. I think Preston is very well-rated right now for us. I think he's got a chance to show in the All-American Bowl when he plays in it that he can move up. I think that's probably the big question that our national recruiting analysts are looking at, Um, but I have no doubts that Preston's going to have another outstanding year uh, as he preps for his senior year at at Parrish. Uh, Savion Bird, if he gets that offensive tackle film out there uh, this fall like I think he very well could, that's a chance for him to jump back up into that five-star discussion. He's in five-star range um, on both the composite and top 247, but he's got to, I think, get back to playing offensive tackle. That's where he's being evaluated at, and I think playing defensive tackle this fall kind of hurt him. I mean, you don't get a chance to look at where he's going to be as a prospect at his position at the college level, so um, I've got high hopes for Savion when he moves back to offensive tackle. And then I think Kamar Wheaton is a guy who's going to be pretty steady um, overall. He's got the testing numbers. He's got fairly good production. Um, And then as he gets ready for his senior year, I'd like to see him take it to the next level from a production standpoint. His yards per carry just isn't where it probably should have been as a— early five-star prospect. He sure looks the part. He's got all the testing numbers. But again, production and yards per carry is something that we watch pretty closely with elite running backs. And that's why we saw LJ Johnson out of Cy Fair jump him for the number one running back spot in Texas. I mean, he was unbelievable as a junior. Uh, Has the testing numbers to back it up. And so uh, Kamar will have a chance to stake his claim back to being number one in Texas. But um, I I would think he settles into that number two running back spot uh, with a chance to maybe move back up if he takes the next step as a senior and what where I was going with all of that in terms of the question on the board was we held a uh, 2021 class of uh, a class of 2021 draft among a lot of us national team site people and um, I was asked why I took Sawyer robertson over Preston stone and really the only reason why I took uh, Sawyer Robertson, Robertson, who uh, committed to Mississippi State uh, this spring and was one of SMU's few offers at the 2021 quarterback spot, is because so many people just thought I was going to take Preston Stone or Garrett Nussmeyer, two guys that obviously I cover uh, between SMU and LSU, and so I just went with Sawyer Robertson. I mean, his production is unbelievable. Um, his uh, fit into what I would quote unquote run an an air raid attack is basically why I went with him over there. I like that he plays baseball as well, um, and I think he's got really really high ceiling uh, in terms of the college game. So I went with Sawyer Robertson more of just to to shock everybody else. And if I wouldn't have went with Sawyer Robertson, I would have went with Demetrius Davis, a two time state champion, clutch through the game winning touchdown pass against Duncanville as a sophomore uh, on that Hail Mary. So. Um, I wasn't going to go with Preston. I wasn't going to go with Garrett. But that was pretty much it. There wasn't a, it wasn't a knock. Uh, and and I don't have Sawyer or Demetrius above Preston Stone in my quarterback rankings in, in Texas or anything like that. So it was just more to uh, to kind of shock everybody else who was, who is was in the draft with me. Um, and finally. Um, We'll be rolling out a way too early depth chart where I'm going to give kind of my opinion on how I could see things shake out for SMU's depth chart when they do get back to playing football. And then um, was asked a really good question about TCU aside, which Texas or Oklahoma schools would be the most and least willing to schedule a home and home with SMU in the future when the out of conference schedule starts opening up? And is that something SMU is looking for? I would say right now, SMU is still looking at just having TCU as its big power five opponent uh, in state or in the region on the schedule. And then we've seen them schedule uh, Vandy and Maryland, I believe, uh, if my memory is serving me right, as two power five options to add to that schedule in the future. And then North Texas is still on there. And then I think they would love to keep a lower level regional school uh, like Texas State, um, is on there? Arkansas State. We've seen them play, um, and and Louisiana Tech's on there. So, kind of keep a regional school like that on their schedule. But if I was going to group the most willing to schedule SMU, I would say that Texas Tech would probably like to schedule SMU the most, um, just because they probably feel like they can beat SMU, and and you know, having a in-state um, game like that would pay some dividends. Um, I don't think Oklahoma would love to schedule SMU. I don't think Texas would. I don't think uh, Texas A&M would um, to an extent just because of, you know, old Southwest Conference stuff or, or what have you. But um, I think Oklahoma State is somebody that would be open to it. Um, but overall, I, I would say Texas Tech would probably be the most willing to do a home-and-home. They have in the past. A&M has in the past. but. I don't think there's a lot of interest in doing that anymore. I just don't think it's a win-win for SMU by any means to schedule those types of teams. So um, that's kind of my take on it in, in a nutshell there for you. Um, but I, I think SMU scheduling in the future is is in a really good spot with having TCU and then another kind of power five with some name recognition that maybe you know you can go home and home with um, of Vanderbilt of Maryland, what have you um, as as kind of a fun national game to play and who knows you know where SMU is in the future they could very well end up um, winning those games with the type of talent that they're recruiting um, for the roster. Um, as far as handicapping the odds for a college football season, I think we're still in decent shape to start on time. I think now, Look, golf is returning to play, and now they're individual sports, so kind of remember that. But there is going to be, I think, this jumpstart of bringing some sports back, I think, in the next month or so. Not to be back to playing in a month, but I think the NBA could be something that they try to bring it back, Um because if they're looking at scheduling their draft in maybe August, that would mean that their season would be wrapped up. So I think the NBA could come back. I think all that's a good sign for college football to start on time. I think there's a wide range of how this whole coronavirus thing is being viewed, of course, um, whether it be in the state level, whether it be in the leagues, um, or what have you. But So I don't have a good read on it, but I still think right now we're, we're in a good spot to see college football um end up being played this fall. And speaking of that, Thad, Thad Johnson, one of SMU's top recruits in the 2020 class, is somebody I feel like is going to be probably a redshirt for SMU with the depth that they have at receiver with Reggie Robertson, Tyler Page, uh, Austin Upshaw, Danny Gray coming in, uh, the veteran uh, or the, I should say the, the second year receivers like Kiki Burns, Calvin Wiggins, and Rashee Rice. I feel like he's in a good spot to redshirt. He's got the speed to play right away, but he's going to have to get bigger and stronger. And we don't know how the summer is going to look with Kaz and if they're going to be on campus or whatnot. But I see him as somebody that they end up probably redshirting, although who knows? His speed could very well get him on the field. So um, with that, um, we're going to answer one more question and then take a break. And that was, uh, does SMU keep track of the the all-time records in the weight room? I think they do. Um, I'm not too sure on that. We've obviously seen some change from uh, Mel, um, Mel back when I was playing and Vic Valoria before that, and and then True Carol and now Kaz. I'm, I do wonder if they have the all-time records still lined up, um, but I was in there in the spring and I didn't see like a, a ranking or anything like that. So I think that's something that they just kind of monitor on their own as far as, um, you know, the all-time records, but, I feel like they're more about competing amongst themselves more than anything. That's that's something that um, stands out to me about how they run the program, whether it's uh, Elijah Chapman and Terrence Newman battling out on squats or, or, or bench press or what have you. Um, but it's all about getting better individually, and um, whether that's setting a new max of your own um, or just upping your, your weight you know, however many times over the course of the spring or the summer, that's really how those guys – go about it from what I've gathered. Um, I will try and track down some of the weight room records and see if maybe cause would love to talk to us about kind of that and how he approaches that. And, and of course, get into how he's handling this. Um, but right now I don't know if uh, they kind of keep that track of all time records, but they, they probably have it at their disposal. Um, I, I will definitely try to put together the player strength power rankings or something like that. I do agree that'd be cool um, because I do think SMU has some freaks that, you know, can really put up big time numbers in the weight room like Elijah Chapman, like Terrence Newman um, and and break it out positionally and things like that. Um, but on the other side of this break from the Pony Stampede podcast, we're going to go ahead and draft our... Uh, <laughs> fantasy softball team, and then close out the podcast after that. So we'll be right back with the Pony Stampede podcast after this break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I was asked also what the best parts of a Pony Stampede subscription are by one of our subscribers. So I'm going to highlight a couple for you guys. I want to start with a, kind of a relatively new edition to the subscription package, package, and that's CBS All Access. During this time, where we're all cooped up and certainly not really able to uh, to do too much outside, CBS All Access has a ton of live live shows, ton of reruns. Uh, it's kind of like a Netflix subscri- subscription for um, all the CBS shows and 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 past games and things like that. And that is included with your Pony Stampede subscription. It's really it's a hundred dollar value a year that you get when you subscribe to Pony Stampede. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, I certainly encourage you to do that. And then I want to highlight our message board. I think you guys, our subscribers, are just the best. I mean, like, it it is a huge selling point to go to work every day for me and know that you guys are on there commenting and being a part of the community. And that's something that, honestly, you can't get anywhere else. I mean, we have activity every single day of the week. And um, seriously, you guys are what makes... Pony stampede uh, really go. I mean, it is. If if there weren't people on the board commenting and things like that, that's a not fun for me to write stuff where nobody is uh, talking about it. But um, you guys really make it uh, a fun place to be and and chop it up with and and all of that. And we've got tons of personalities and and great people on there. So I want to highlight our message board as as a great. Great part of the subscription, um, and and certainly the the number one place to talk SMU sports. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Especially with the way we've grown over really the past two years, especially uh, it's been it's been unbelievable. So um, thank you guys for for all participating on the boards and making it the place to be. Um, and it helps me, and it it makes it so much fun to to be a part of. And then finally, um, our national crew and the work that. The desk the national desk does and um, our recruiting analysts like Gabe Brooks in Texas and Louisiana um, as well as our national guys like Barton Simmons and Steve Wilfong as SMU's kind of elevated their game on the recruiting front they've elevated theirs and they're always willing to come onto the board and talk and and participate and Gabe is I mean just an an absolute um, legend when it comes to Uh, analysis and and knowing texas high school football and all those things so we're really lucky to have those guys um, especially gabe uh, for you guys to have at your disposal to kind of add to and bring what we bring you guys uh, to another level and then finally uh, i'll just highlight our work i mean i think from team coverage to recruiting scoop to following the guys in the pros to having boots on the ground and hearing things and relationships. I feel like you guys are getting um, as close to the team as, as you guys can uh, because of um, you know, just where we are as, as, as a site. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, always looking to improve and things like that, but I feel like on a daily basis, you're not just going to get a short reaction to an offer or you're, you're going to get that, but you're going to get also, well, how, how does he fit into the class or, does SMU have a real chance? And then going you know, even further, whether it be class predictions or crystal ball picks or position-by-position position breakdowns, which we've talked about on the pod before, I feel like we're bringing a really good variety um, to the site in, in terms of all the coverage that we bring. So um, that's what makes a Pony Stampede subscription great, a little bit more long-winded than I probably wanted it to be. But um, hope you guys, if you haven't subscribed, check it out. You can do so for just a month. And, and do it for just a dollar, or you can take advantage and, and sign up for the year. So check it out. See what you think. Um, but I, I did want to highlight those few things for you guys as part of a Pony Stampede subscription. Now, on to a little fun. Drafting an intramural softball team from the current football roster, and um, I want to start with Pitcher. And I'm going to go with Terrence Gibson, and, and here's why. He's got probably the livest arm of anyone on on the team, and he's he can really whip it. I feel like he's going to be able to bring that fastball where you need it, and um, while softball isn't really you know, a, a, a big-time fast pitch deal, um, he's going to have the arm to get it done. And Then at catcher, I'm going to go with Hayden Howerton, somebody that's a leader, somebody that can run the show behind the plate, um, will bring some power to the lineup, uh, so I'll have Hayden Howerton as my catcher. I'm going to go with Kiki Burns at first base, another guy with a really good-looking body, somebody who's... Uh, as physically, as good as it gets. Um, again, will bring power to the lineup, uh, can be a consistent guy at, at first base. At second, I'm going to go with TJ McDaniel. Really, really good laterally. Uh, has enough speed to close uh, on a ball that's hit in between uh, first and second, or second and uh, short, um, and get that and get over there and make a play. Um, and then at shortstop, I'm going to go with Tyler Page, another guy who's short, quick, good laterally. Um, I like that at short, and he's a former high school quarterback. So I'm going to go with him at short, and then third base, I'm going to go with Shane Bouchelle, somebody who can sit over there and make that long throw uh, across the field and get somebody out at first. Uh, in left field, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Ulysses Bentley, and he's got some speed. Uh, he also played quarterback at the high school level, so he has that ability to throw. And I'm going to put him in left field. At center field, I'm going to go with Reggie Robertson. Can close a ton, a ton, a ton of field quickly. Chase down balls really fast. Um, and while he wasn't a high school quarterback or anything like that, um, I'll stick him at center and probably in the leadoff spot as well. With his speed, uh, he'll be able to get on base and run out. Uh, you know, a short grounder or what have you, and then. In right field, this is where uh, I kind of struggle uh, to find somebody that uh, I really like over there. But I'm going to go with Chevin Calloway again—a safety, turn corner, uh, turn safety again uh, for for SMU, and uh, again can cover ground, has great athleticism. And can make that throw, uh, get the ball back in play, and, and stop runners from advancing more than anything. So I don't necessarily know if we're going to be the best hitting lineup, but I do like the combination of some power with guys like Howerton and, and Kiki, as well as pr- plenty of speed uh, on the defensive side of things uh, to you know make sure that we're a, a we're a defensive team where we keep things low scoring, and and that's kind of my bunch. That I'd put uh, on the uh, on the baseball field uh, for SMU. I, gu- I guess I probably should have included Austin Upshaw, but um, that's kind of the group I'm going with. And maybe Austin Upshaw is a utility guy, maybe a relief pitcher uh, if it gets to that point, or uh, a second, uh, a fourth outfielder or what have you. But uh, that would be my fantasy uh, intramural softball team for for the football team uh, to roll out there. Maybe they'll be able to do that. Um, sometime next spring when we're all allowed to uh, get back to it and and, and start playing uh, organized sports uh, on a more regular basis. It won't be that long until the spring, but um, you know what I'm saying by, by bringing those guys out there for the uh, fancy softball team uh, for, for SMU football. So um, with that, guys, going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Um, check out Pony Stampede. We've got a ton of content on there. Got some more things to come uh, as uh, we get ready for draft. Uh, watching where James Prochet, Rodney Clemens, and all those guys end up, Uh, that'll be, gosh, we're under um, 10 days from the NFL draft, about eight days away uh, from that happening. So stick with us as we'll be tracking kind of the latest buzz around those guys. Of course, the recruiting front, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Drop some notes on a couple guys as well uh, over the last couple days that we feel pretty good about on Pony Stampede uh, ending up uh, at SMU so with that hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast we'll be back again I want to get uh, Gabe on to talk more about rankings and talk more about SMU's class Uh, I've got um, hopefully some some current SMU coaches that we'll be able to get on here soon Uh, a lot of the guys have kind of been taking it um, for what it is right now which is kind of laying alone just going to work things like that but hoping to get them on uh, in the future and and, uh, incorporate them into the podcast as well so with that Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and hope everybody's staying safe and healthy and has a great rest of the week. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down. Walk right out to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit paramountplus.com/the-shy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.